0: All of the things that I've been through, the homeless, the trauma, uh, physical and emotional as my childhood, everything that I went through, I'm not letting it control me. What I'm letting it do is empower me so I can help other people and give back to the community. You're
1: listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. Today we're talking youth homelessness. To do that, we're going to hear from Jose Vega, He's the program director for Oklahomans for Equality, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he's also a great friend of Mental Health Association. Jose is going to share what it was like for him back in high school when he was rejected by his family because he was gay. And then he'll explain what happened next when he had no other place to go but the streets. Then we're going to talk with Beth Fetlick here at the Association Beth Overseas, among many other things our services for young people who have overcome homelessness. Beth started her social work career working with adolescents because, as she said, they have a lot of autonomy and hope. Okay, let's get started. The Mental Health Download starts now. Jose. Welcome to the Mental Health Download. Let's start with you sharing a little background about yourself.
0: Yeah, I was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a son of immigrants. Uh, we, uh, my family moved here in the 90s um, from Mexico, so from, from families from Mexico. I grew up here in Tulsa, I went to Webster High School, graduated, went off to uh, TCC, did two years, and then graduated with a bachelor's in health administration from the University of Phoenix online. And now I work as the program director for Oklahomans for Equality.
1: We're all huge fans of Oklahomans for Equality here at the association, so tell us more about your role.
0: Yeah, uh, Oklahomans for Equality seeks equal rights for LGBTQ plus individuals through advocacy education programming uh, here in the state of Oklahoma. As we know, um, in the state of Oklahoma, we still don't have LGBTQ protection hate crime, employment, housing, and public accommodation. And so that's a lot of advocacy that we do, work, and a partnership with other individuals uh, or organizations as well. Uh, We are the seventh largest LGBTQ community center in the world, and it's amazing that it's located here in Oklahoma.
1: So, Jose, can you tell us about some of the challenges you personally faced in the aftermath of revealing to your family that you were gay?
0: Yeah. um, So at the age of 14, I started feeling things, um, attraction towards, um, other guys and, um, male figures. And I wasn't really sure. And I didn't know any other, um, individual that was going through this or I was afraid and growing up, I always heard, um, homophobic slurs, or I rather have a murderer or a thief than a gay son and certain things like that. And so that really, um, put me into deeper in the closet and afraid of, okay, If this is gay, then that's what I am. And that's not what my family wants. And we were very, there was a very Catholic um, family and culture as well. Um, So I was very afraid, but um, I, I came out at the age of 15 and family didn't accept it. And so I was kicked out and um, left with only the clothes on my back.
1: Would you mind walking us through how frightening that time was for you?
0: Um, I knew how the system worked, how, uh, foster care, how the shelters worked and how involved the other individuals would become that I tried at all expense to avoid all of that. I knew that my, um, resources were going or my ability to make my own decisions were going to be very limited. And I didn't want to be perceived as vulnerable or, um, a poor child. No, I wanted to see show that I can do it and be strong. So I couch surfed my way through high school. Uh, there was times where there was no couch or roof under my head that I decided to just, um, sleep under the bridge next to my high school. I carried a backpack with me. Um, sometimes when I had a chance to wash my clothes and hang it up so it can dry, I did it. Or when I had a laundry, I would go ahead and do that. Um, but that, that was my way through high school.
1: So, what did you do when someone found out that you were
0: homeless? Um, there was times where um, some people did find out uh, of my situation, and I begged not to tell anybody. Um, I I try to lie, I forge paperwork, kind of like, oh yeah, he is staying with me. This is so and so mom, just so I can just nobody can just I can be left alone and be focused on my work. So a lot of people who
1: are experiencing homelessness they are invisible. Um, but you know, as you've told me before, you you were actually quite out in the open. Um, you actually in high school, while you were, while you were living on the streets, um, had your own TV show. So tell us about that.
0: I had the opportunity to have my own TV show. It was called Tulsa Youth Talk. And I had six episodes on it. And this was with the contract with Tulsa Public Schools channel, Tulsa Community College channel, and the Tulsa Local Government channel. So it was three platforms. And if any of them found out of my situation, I knew that I was gonna be limited because I was gonna be sent into a shelter and based on their times, their resources, or if I could, I, I, don't, I wasn't really sure, I was afraid. Because I was very close friends with other students who were in shelter and foster care. And they would share their stories with me. And I said, no, there has to be other things for you. There has to be other resources. So this Tulsa Youth Talk was my senior year of high school. And the first talk was about discrimination on um, just the way we appear. Appearances, skin color, and who we are. And then uh, the last one was kind of like a wrap up of all everything we talked about, um, not giving up and, um, bullying and things that go on in school and not how to not be hold your, hold yourself back. And that one was the most inspirational one for me because all of the things that I've been through, the homeless, the trauma, uh, physical and emotional as my childhood, everything that I went through, I'm not letting it control me. What I'm letting it do is empower me so I can help other people and give back to the community.
1: Jose, what what were some of the toughest choices you had to make back then?
0: I knew I needed to graduate as a sophomore in high school, homeless, um, going through trauma and going through everything that I was going through that year. I said either drop out of high school and get to work in the real life and just find your next meal, quit living outside under the bridge, quit trying to find your next couch. I said, either I need to graduate early or drop this and go to work because I need to make a living.
1: Jose is awesome and charismatic as you are. I'm sure you had a lot of friends back then, but, um, who were some of the people who really stood by you, who really gave you that encouragement to keep on going, no matter what you were facing at the time.
0: Um, So I had a lot of help and my high school counselor helped me a lot. And that is why I go out into, um, universities and talk to future counselors because I believe that that, she saved my life and she's the only one who never saw me differently, who gave me encouragement, showed me that I have the same opportunities. So she helped me graduate early. So from sophomore went straight into senior, but I had to pay for summer school, $400. To go to summer school. And just because I didn't need it, if you need it, it was free. If you didn't, you had to pay. And so I did that. I mowed lawns, I cleaned uh, houses. I did whatever, pet walk, whatever I could do to get more money and pay that, paid that off, uh, went to summer school. And then from summer school, I went straight into my senior year of high school, but my high school counselor, she's the one who helped me a lot, uh, showing me that, um, if people see me a certain way to just avoid that look and um, show them, continue showing them that I'm not vulnerable and um, I'm much more than a homeless youth.
1: Okay. So, you know, if you had the chance to sit down with someone, you know, maybe a young Jose um, and give, give him encouragement, what would you say?
0: One advice that I would give to somebody who is going through homelessness, um, is you're more than that. Don't give up. Um, there's lots of opportunities and a lot of good people in this city, in this state that I've met. I've met a lot of individuals who want to help and are eager to give back. And so, um, when there's this ex- extended hand, take it and um, just know that it's pure heart that somebody's who wants to help so grab any help that you can and don't give up and it gets better it gets better at first you may um, be kneeled on the ground you know tired and wanting to give up but no just stand up brush it off and you know sticks and stones may break our bones but uh, words will never hurt and all of these words and criticism and thoughts, they won't hurt us. They'll just make us stronger. What do you want
1: people to see you as now?
0: I'm more than just um, a gay man. I'm a community member. I'm a son. Um, I am a leader. I'm more than my my identities. You know, i that's one of my identities. We all have more than just who we are, and so I want to be seeing all the other ones, you know, I'm Latin, I'm a Latino, gay, well-mannered, uh, educated, uh, family member, loving, uh, supportive, just kind-hearted individual, and I want, to, I want to be all of those other ones, not just, oh, that's the gay, that's the gay Hispanic man, no, uh, who suffered homelessness and all. No, I'm more than that.
1: Jose, real quick, before we go, can you tell us how we can get a hold of the Oklahomans for Equality?
0: So uh, for all LGBTQ individuals, if you're needing help, if you need a free counseling service, if you are needing free HIV, syphilis testing, whatever it is that you need, um, if you just some support or a lawyer um, due to discrimination LGBT issues, please contact the center. Their number is 918-743-4297.
1: Okay, Jose, thank you so much. this has been extraordinary you are so courageous and you know your work that you're doing at the Oklahomans for equality is just brilliant so thank you for that and thank you for being here today for the second part of our podcast we're gonna talk with Beth Svetlick She's the Clinical Director of Services for Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. That's a really long title. That means basically that Beth helps make sure that we're providing sound clinical services to the people we serve. And that includes young adults who have overcome homelessness. And as Jose explained, some have been rejected by their families because they are gay. Beth, welcome to the Mental Health Down.
2: Thanks for having me, Matt. This is one of my favorite topics to talk
1: about. So first off, tell us why you are so passionate about serving uh, young people who have experienced homelessness.
2: Um, you know, I started my, my social work career working with adolescents and they're just my favorite group because there's a lot of autonomy and hope with that group. They, they have the ability to, you know, kind of have some control over their situation and make some choices for themselves a lot of hope in that, but they're not so entrenched in um, negative choices or, or history that they can't pull themselves out of it. This is, it's just always been one of my favorite populations to work with.
1: Beth, there are a lot of factors that come into play that cause a young person to end up homeless. Can you explain some of those factors to us?
2: Um, it's a lot of factors having to do with their challenges with their family of origin. Um, sometimes it does have to do with rejection from them because of um, the the life that they're living or um, trying to be true to themselves um, But other times it's things like um, substance abuse or um, long histories of um, domestic violence that they're parents are dealing with. And so they, um, you know, can't continue to take care of their kids in the way that they need to. So they end up in, um, a foster care system or, um, a broken, um, home where they're hopping from couch to couch and they don't have a lot of support and they end up, you know, kind of lost without a place to go.
1: One would hope that there are just the most amazing safety nets out there that are catching people before they end up homeless. But, you know, tell us what the realities are of those safety nets in Oklahoma.
2: Well, we haven't historically done a great job of making sure we had a safety net in place in the state of Oklahoma. I think we're doing a lot more and we're trying to really focus on that age group of, okay, you're 18, we're going to legally call you an adult, but you don't necessarily have all the skills and the resources to truly live on your own as an adult. And so we're looking closer at what do services and support systems and safety nets need to look like for that age group. One of the things that we do here at Mental Health Association Oklahoma is our Walker Hall Transitional Living Program that kind of helps create that safety net. Um, it's really unique in the continuum of services for that age group and that it's community living. Um, they have shared living space, shared um, uh, kitchen, and 24-hour staff that helps support them to learn independent living skills, learn how to do dishes or how to, um, do laundry, what it means to set up a bank account, um, how to coexist with a roommate, um, all of those things that, um, you take for granted when you live in a stable household and have a safety net already built in. Um, so Walker Hall fills that, that gap.
1: So Beth, we do a lot of tours for um, our housing here at the Mental Hall Association, and whenever you know I bring somebody by Walker Hall, uh, it's actually my favorite stop because it's such a uplifting place. Um, but you know, when someone comes through there, what what do you hope their big takeaways are?
2: We want the community to see that this is a really caring and loving environment, and that. And we also really want them to see that just because they're 18 doesn't mean that they should be able to just do it on their own. Um, that The individuals that we serve have um, unique needs, challenges to just get out on their own and, um, and that, you know, being ready for adulthood means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And sometimes you need a little extra support to get there. Um, we want them to see that Walker Hall really fills that need and that this is a program model that we'd love to see replicated across the state to really support this age group.
1: So, Beth, over the years, you've you've told me a lot of success stories, um, and I appreciate that. They're always the way that we give perspective uh, that people really can make a difference in homelessness here. Can you share one of those amazing stories with us now?
2: Yeah, there's a couple that come to mind. Um, We have uh, two residents that moved out of Walker Hall uh, about a year ago that are living on their own, um, got an apartment on their own as roommates, and um, they have maintained that apartment. They have found employment and um, are happy and successful and come back Occasionally to Walker Hall to say hi and, um, you know, can be a testimony to the other residents of like, hey, this is this is possible. And uh, you can you can do this on your own and uh, do it well and live a really happy, successful life.
1: So here at the association, we pride ourselves on our transparency. So let's talk about what happens when someone doesn't work out living at Walker Hall. What happens next for that person and how do we help them along that journey?
2: Um, That is the hard part of the story, but it is definitely a reality. And sometimes it's... um, trying to access other services um, we work with youth services of Tulsa a lot as partners and sometimes it's working with them to access their transitional living program where they can move into their own apartment sometimes community living doesn't work for everybody and sometimes they can be more successful with their in their own apartment um, with you know case managers that come by on a less frequent basis um, Sometimes it's saying you're going to have to leave our housing and you're going to have to, you know, go to the shelter or find someone else to stay with because you're just not in a place where you're healthy enough to work with us. And we struggle with with those decisions. Those decisions are um, staffed multiple times and we look for all other options to try to find them an Avenue. But unfortunately, um, sometimes by the time they get to Walker hall, um, they've met so many other challenges in their life. They've, um, been hurt and, um, and they've been victimized by adults so many times that they are just not ready to, um, to say, yeah, I need the help and, and yeah, I need, I need some support and it takes a little while for them to get to a place where they can, they can accept that.
1: So Beth, you had the opportunity to meet Jose. Um, you know, what, what did you think of him?
2: Um, I met Jose at one of our board meetings and he, um, introduced himself and told a little bit about his story. And, um, I loved it because I was like, Hey, this is what we're all about. This is a guy that, um, Is successful and um, a voice for exactly the people that we are trying to serve with our Walker Hall program. Um, And he's just such a nice, happy guy that it's like, yeah, this is, it's possible. It's possible. I love, I just, he's got a great energy.
1: In talking with Jose, I learned a lot about what it's like to be young and homeless. Um, You know, what do you hope people take away from Jose's story?
2: I hope people take away from his story that the fact that um we've got to start looking at um the real need for that 16 to 24 age group and that they're not they're not children, but they're not quite adults and they have some unique needs, they have some unique challenges, and what they desperately need is a safety net and a community and support to help them be successful adults. They're at a critical spot where they could um, tip into a criminal justice system or um, substance abuse issues, and um, chronic homelessness. And if we really put some resources into that age group, we can really turn the tide um, for our whole society.
1: All right. Thank you, Beth, for being here with us. And thanks to Jose Vega. You both gave some amazing insights into the realities of youth homelessness. And I hope for the listeners out there, you realize that you can make a difference in ending youth homelessness. If you want to learn more, please visit mhaok.org So again, thank you for being here, and we hope you tune in next time. Okay, go do good things.